Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the serialized audiobook, Ancestor, written by number one New York Times bestselling novelist, Scott Sigler, performed by the author. Ancestor is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash ancestor. Book One, Greenland. November 7th. Paul Fisher had always pictured the end of the world being a bit more industrial. Loud machines, cars crashing, people screaming, guns ablazing. Perhaps a world-breaking bomb shattering the earth into bits. But here in Greenland? Nothing but packed snow, endless rocks, and the towering white vistas of glaciers sitting high on the horizon. No cities burning, no abandoned cars, none of that nonsense. Just a tiny virus and some pigs. Paul hopped out of the UH-60 Blackhawk helicopter and onto a snow-covered field lit up by the breaking dawn. A woman in an Air Force jacket waited for him, fur line hood tight around her head to ward off the cold and the stinging wind. She snapped a salute. Colonel Fisher? Paul nodded and casually returned the salute. Second Lieutenant Laura Burns, Colonel. General Curry is waiting for you. This way, sir. She turned and walked toward three white Quonset huts, their curved roofs blending into the landscape. Two tunnels connected the huts, completing the little human hamster town that had gone up less than 24 hours earlier. He heard the hum of a diesel generator, saw the curve of two satellite dishes mounted on top of the huts. Paul followed the girl, their shadows blending together as a long, broken gray shape moving across churned-up white snow. He wanted to get inside, hoped it was heated. These cold temps raised hell with his left knee. Paul absently wondered if the young lieutenant was married, if she was the kind of girl his son would find interesting. He was starting to wonder if the boy would ever settle down and get to the business of making some grandchildren that Paul could spoil rotten. Overhead, a pair of F-16s shot by, their jet roar echoing off the valley floor. Probably a squadron out of Reykjavik, in to enforce a no-bullshit, no-fly zone that had gone up shortly after Novozyme sounded the biohazard alarm. As he walked, Paul looked out into the shallow valley. Two miles away, he could make out the Novozyme facility a main building that housed research labs and housing for the staff, a landing strip, light poles, metal guard tower, two small unblemished sheet metal barns for the pigs, and a head-high electric fence that surrounded the entire compound. The girl, Second Lieutenant Burns, Paul mentally corrected himself, led him to the middle hut. No airlock. There hadn't been time to set up a full, temporary biohazard center so the guys at Thule Air Force Base had shipped out the communications and command part of a portable Harvest Falcon setup. Not that it mattered much. Intel was almost positive that the viruses had not escaped the Novozyme facility, the key word being almost. Paul opened the door and stepped into the heated interior. General Evan Curry looked up, 
waved Fisher over to the bank of monitors that covered the rear wall. Several American soldiers sat at consoles in the cramped space. A few ranking Danes stood and watched. Curry had the permanent scowl and gray-peppered buzz cut of the typical Hollywood general, but he strayed from the script with his five-foot-five stature and deep black skin. The only image that mattered, however, was the shine from his four stars. Hello, Paul. Curry extended his hand for a firm handshake. I'd love to say it's good to see you again, but this is just as bad as last time. That was, what, three years ago? Three years to the day, Paul said. Really? You got a good memory. Kind of a hard thing to forget, sir. Curry nodded gravely. People had died under his commands as well. He understood. The general turned to the Danish brass. Gentlemen, this is Colonel Paul Fisher of the United States Army Medical Research Institute for Infectious Diseases, or USAMRIT. He's from the Special Threats Division, and where we go from here is his decision. Any questions? The way Curry said the words special threats and any questions made it clear he really didn't want to hear any questions at all. The Danes just nodded. Curry turned back to Paul. I got a call from Murray Longworth. He said you've got the ball. I'm here to implement your orders, whatever they may be. Thank you, General, Paul said, although he wasn't very thankful at all. If someone else could have been trusted to make these choices, he would have gladly passed the buck. What are we dealing with? Curry simply pointed to the Quonset's large main monitor. Paul had somehow expected the images to be fuzzy. In those apocalypse movies, scenes of carnage came with ample amounts of static, flickering lights, and sliding doors that randomly open and shut. For some reason, every doomsday vision seemed to be marked by substandard electrical work. But this wasn't Hollywood. The lighting was fine. The pictures perfectly clear. The screen showed the high-angle view from a security camera. A lone man slowly crawled across a laboratory floor. He coughed over and over again, deep and wet, the kind that ties up your diaphragm for far too long, makes you wonder if you might not actually draw in another breath. Each ripping cough kicked out chunks of yellow-pink froth to join the wet bits that coated his chin and stained his white lab coat. With each crawl, one arm weakly over the next, he let out a little noise. Eh. The bottom of the screen read, Dr. Pons Matal. Oh, Pons, Paul said. God damn it. You knew the guy? A little. I read his research. Was on panels with him at a few virology conferences. We had beers once. He's a brilliant man. He's going out hard, Curry said, his jaw rigid and grinding a little as he watched the man. What's happening to him? Paul knew that answer all too well. He'd seen people die just this way, exactly three years ago. Dr. Mattal's lungs are filling up with mucus and pus, making them stiff. It's hard for him to draw air. He's drowning in his own fluids. That's how he'll die? Drowning? Could be. If the tissue erosion is bad enough, it can cut into the pulmonary artery. He'll bleed out. How do we know if that happens? Believe me, you'll know, Paul said. How many survivors? There are none. Dr. Mattal there is the last to go. Twenty-seven other staff members at the Novozyme facility. All bodies accounted for. Curry nodded to one of the soldiers manning the small consoles. The main monitor stayed on Mattal's futile crawl 
while smaller screens flashed a series of still images. It took Paul a second to realize the images weren't pictures. They were live video, but no one was moving. Each image showed a prone body. Some had pinkish-yellow stains on their shirts, just like Matal. Others had blood on their mouths and clothes. A few showed a more apparent cause of death, bullet wounds. Someone, probably Matal, had decided the flu strain was too deadly. That someone had stopped people from leaving the facility, whether they showed symptoms or not. The images made Paul's stomach pinch, especially images of women. Pink froth covering their mouths, dead eyes staring out. They reminded him of the incident three years ago. Like Pons, Paul had been forced to make a call, and Clarissa Colding had died. Paul took a breath, tried to force the thoughts away. He had a job to do. General, when was the first confirmed infection? Less than 36 hours ago, Curry said, then checked his watch. Based on Matal's notes, he shot seven. Twenty died due to infection. Whatever this bug is, it moves fast. An understatement. Paul had never seen an infection move that quickly, kill that quickly. No one had. The facility's contamination control readings are in the green, Curry said. Only two ways in. Negatively pressurized airlocks and both fully functional. Air purification systems online and A-OK. Paul nodded. Negative pressure was key. If there were any breaks in the facility's walls, doors, or windows, fresh air would push in as opposed to contaminated air escaping out. And you're sure the entire staff is accounted for? Curry nodded. Novozyme ran a tight ship. The administration helped us locate anyone who wasn't in the building at the time of lockdown. They've all been quarantined, and none show symptoms thus far. It's contained. On the screen, Matal's crawling slowed. His breaths came more rapidly, each accompanied by the ragged sound of flapping phlegm. Paul swallowed hard. Did Dr. Matal make any disease-specific notes for us? Curry picked up a clipboard and passed it over. Matal said it was a new flu A variant, something from the pigs. Xenozoonos, I think it was. Xenozoonosis, Paul said, pronouncing the word correctly. That's it, Curry said. Mutal said it was worse than the Spanish flu of 1918. Paul quickly flipped through the notes. Mutal hadn't had time to properly type the virus, but he'd theorized it was a H5N1 variant or a mutation of H3N1. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Paul scanned the lines, dreading what he'd see and wincing when he finally did. 
Metalstaff had tried oseltamivir and zanamivir, the two antivirals known to weaken swine flu. Neither had done a thing. I'm not a scientist, Fisher, General Curry said, but I know enough to realize a virus isn't going to kill everyone. I'm surprised a civilian like Matal would shoot his own people. He saw how fast it spread, had no way to stop it. Matal decided the death of him and his staff was preferable to the potential death of millions. Oh, come on, Curry said. I'm not about to go licking that pinkish goo off Matal's chin or anything, but how bad can it be? The 1918 epidemic killed 50 million people. World population was just 2 billion back then. Now it's almost 7 billion. Same kill rate today, you're looking at 70 million dead. No planes back then, General. There weren't even highways yet. Now you can fly anywhere in the world in less than a day, and people do, all the time. But we just had a swine flu, Curry said. That H1N1 thing. That killed what? A few thousand people? Regular old standard issue flu kills a quarter million people a year. So pardon my layman's approach, Fisher, but I'm not buying into the H1N1 pandemic crap. Paul nodded. H1N1 wouldn't have killed anyone in the Novozyme facility. They have medical facilities, doctors, antivirals. They knew what they were doing. This isn't a third-world shithole. This is a world-class biotech facility. And pandemic is just a term to describe infection over a wide area. The first H1N1 case was reported in Mexico. Just six weeks after that report, it was confirmed in 23 countries. It was global. Had that been Matal's virus, you'd be looking at a 75% lethality rate across the whole damn world. You know how many people that would kill? Five billion, Curry said. Yeah, I can count. Can you believe they actually make you pass math to be a general? Sorry, sir, Paul said. Curry watched Matal. The general seemed to chew on imaginary gum for a few seconds before he spoke. Fisher, you paint a fucking scary picture. Yes, sir, that I do. Two more chews of imaginary gum, then a pause. I know what I'd do if I was in your shoes. I'd go all in, balls deep. And if I want to go all in, general, Paul said, opting out of the phrase balls deep. What are the choices? We've got the full cooperation of the Danish government and Greenland's prime minister. They want this thing wiped out, so they'll back up whatever story we provide. Thule's got a bone online with eight BLU-96s. Paul nodded. A bone, meaning a B-1 bomber. BLU-96s were 2,000-pound fuel-air explosive bombs. At a predetermined height, the bombs opened and spread atomized fuel that mixed with the surrounding air creating a cloud of highly volatile fuel-air mixture. Once ignited, the temperatures reached around 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, incinerating everything in a one-mile radius, including the viruses, and anything they were in or on. General, do we have any other options? Sure, Curry said. Two more. We can deploy teams in biohazard gear to examine the place, take the risk of some minor, careless act letting the virus get out, or we can cut our losses and go Detroit on it. Paul looked at the general. A nuke? You've got a nuke? Less than a megaton, Curry said. But you can kiss everything within a three-mile radius adios. I've got evac choppers standing by. We get our people to a safe distance, leave everything here, then light the Christmas tree. 
Curry was serious. A damn nuke. Fisher looked at a monitor that displayed a view just outside the Novozyme facility. It showed the pigs mucking about outside one of the barns. Metal and Novozyme had hoped to turn these pigs into a herd of human organ donors. They had been studying xenotransplantation, the science of taking parts of one animal and putting them into another. Hundreds of biotech companies were pursuing similar lines of research, and each line carried a remote danger. Remote, but real, as the scene before them so aptly demonstrated. Ironically, the pigs didn't look sick at all. They looked as happy as pigs can, eating, digging at the half-frozen muddy ground, sleeping. Paul felt oddly sad that the animals had to die. How long for the B-1 to drop the fuel bombs? Two minutes from my order, Curry said. The bone is on station now. Paul nodded. Do it. He hoped the bombs would land soon enough to end Matal's pain before the lungs fully gave out. Curry picked up a phone and made a simple order. It's a go. On the monitor, a new coughing fit clenched Matal's body into a fetal position. He thrashed weakly, then rolled onto his back. His arms reached straight up, his fingers curled like talons. He managed one more ragged breath, then another cough shook his body. Blood shot out of his mouth like a spurt from a fire hose, so powerful it splashed against the fluorescent lights above. His body went limp, wet red still burbling up on his lips and dripping down on him from the ceiling. Man, Curry said, that is truly fucked up. Paul had seen enough. I need a secure line out. Curry pointed to another phone, this one built into the equipment-thick control panel. That's a straight line to Langley. Longworth is waiting for your call. Murray Longworth, assistant director of the CIA and dotted line boss of Paul's Special Threats Division of USAMRID. Longworth oversaw an unnamed group combining elements of the CIA, FBI, USAMRID, Homeland, and other departments, a force tasked with combating biologically related threats. The legality? Questionable, at best. The secrecy? Absolute. The authority? There was never really any question about that, not when Murray Longworth spoke with the voice of the president himself. Paul picked up the phone. His boss answered on the first ring. This is Longworth. What's your call, Colonel? I've ordered General Curry to use the fuel bombs. There was a slight pause. I still can't believe this, Longworth said. From a goddamn pig? How can a pig virus infect people? Paul sighed. Longworth ran the show, but he didn't get it. Probably never would. One of the main monitors switched from the steady procession of the dead to a shaking, blurry, bird's-eye view of the Novozyme facility. Bomber cam. The pig genome was modified to include human proteins, Paul said. That has to happen if you want to make the pig organs transplantable into humans. A new swine flu variant incorporated those proteins, and it jumped species. Put it in terms I can understand. Fast-moving, airborne, no known treatment. Three out of four people die horribly. Goes global within eight weeks. On a scale of one to ten, this is an eight. And my ten is the complete extinction of mankind. We need to go scorched earth here, sir. Paul heard Longworth's heavy sigh. Finish up there as fast as you can, then get your ass back to D.C., Longworth said. 
President Gutierrez is calling a black meeting. All the European nations, India, China, everyone capable of this kind of work. We're shutting everyone down until the WHO can put monitors in place. I need you at that meeting. I see, Paul said. A black meeting. A disaster of biblical proportions was just a broken airlock away, and the world's leaders would meet in secret to discuss the options. No one would ever know. Not even Matal's family. On the bomber cam monitor, Fisher recognized the field he'd just walked through, then the white Quonset hut Hamstertown. A fraction of a second later, he heard the roar of the jet's engines. Only seconds now. After the D.C. meeting, you go after Janata, Murray said. We're shutting everyone down, but we get Janata's facility at Baffin Island first. The monitor switched to a view from a camera that must have been mounted up with the radar dishes on the Quonset's roof. The Novozyme facility was there for a brief second, then a giant orange flash filled the screen. The ground shook. A small, mushrooming cloud lifted into the dawn sky. Sir, Paul said, I think I should be on hand for the Monsanto facility in South Africa or Genzyme's Brazilian installation. Janata first, Longworth said. We already know those fucking Paglione brothers were conducting human experimentation. They're a proven threat. Any progress on finding the Russian girl? The Russian girl. Galena Poroskova, Ph.D. She'd threatened to blow the whistle on Janata's human experimentation. She'd contacted Fisher, met with him, and claimed to have evidence, but the Paglions had paid her off before she delivered. Just tracking some financials, Paul said, investments and the like. NSA is pretty sure she's in Moscow, but we can't get the Russians to cooperate. Well, I'm guessing they'll cooperate now, Longworth said. I'll escalate it to the State Department. P.J. Colding made the human experiments vanish the last time we were chasing Janata. He also took Poroskova right out from under your nose. So we start with Janata before he can do that shit again. Paul swallowed and closed his eyes. He should have known P.J. Colding's name would come up. I understand, sir, Paul said. But I remind you that I have an asset on the inside at Baffin Island. I can send a message. If anything looks amiss... The asset can cripple transportation, stranding Colding in the entire project. It still rubs my ass raw you won't tell me who your asset is. Until your people find out how Magnus and Dante Paglione get inside information from the CIA, it's best I'm the only one to know. I said it rubs my ass raw. I didn't say it wasn't the right strategy. But, Colonel, can your asset get a message back to you? Paul ground his teeth. He knew exactly where this was going. No, sir. Which means you won't know when the Paglione brothers find out about the bomb you just dropped. They'll figure out what happened, and when they do, Colding will take the Janata project on the run. I'm not about to tell the president that there's a rogue xenotransplantation element unaccounted for, not after what just went down. While you do the D.C. meeting, I'll call out the Special Threats CBRN platoon. You'll go in with them. The Special Threats CBRN team. Chemical biological, radiological, and nuclear. Paul didn't know much about those men. He wasn't clear to know, but they would be much more than just enlisted soldiers in hazmat suits. They'd be special forces, whip-smart killers. I'll have a flight for you, Atatuli, Longworth said. Tell your asset to take out all transportation so Colding and the Janata staff can't get away. 
from bad to worse. That action would leave Paul's asset with no support until the CBRN team touched down. Considering the caliber of Janata's security forces, that could be very bad indeed. Sir, I suggest we just wait. They've got 50 animals in the facility. They can't go far in 10 hours. Colonel Fisher, we're done here. As soon as I get approval from the Canadians, you order your asset to destroy all transportation, take out any research data, and kill those baboons. Cows, sir, Paul said. Monsanto's using baboons. Janata's using cows. Then kill all the cows. Stop arguing with me. Paul rubbed his face in frustration. His ex-wife, Claire, used to tell him that the movement made him look like a little kid who needed a nap. He'd never broken the habit, and now every time he did it, he immediately thought of her nagging at him to stop. Colonel Fisher, Longworth said, will you follow my instructions or not? Yes, sir. I'll send the order as soon as you give the green light. You have been listening to Ancestor by Scott Sigler. Performed by the author. Produced by Empty Set Entertainment. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.